Welcome to the Runner's World Show, where each week we entertain, inspire, and inform you about all things running. I'm Christine Fennessy, one of the producers of the show, and I'll be your host this week. Today in The Kick, we recap the most memorable moments from the 2017 World Championships in London. And we mourn a running mullet that is gone too soon. But first, an interview with Olympic marathoner Desiree Linden. Desi was recovering from a recent half marathon and in a bit of a training lull at the time of her conversation with training editor Megan Keita. It was a rare opportunity for Megan to probe some of the lesser known facts about the runner's life, like her love of bourbon. To be honest, having that on my bio has like blown this collection up because people love to talk about bourbon and they think it's so neat and cool. They're like, you're a runner and you like know about bourbon? Like here, have this bottle. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. this is great. Like, what else could I put on my bio? Like, also likes tequila and foodie, um, <laughs> loves great coffee. Please send anything my way. Thanks. <laughs> it's a fun conversation with a very cool person. Thanks for joining us. Desi Linden is an American marathoner. She ran for Arizona State University, and after college, she joined the Hanson's Brooks Training Group, coached by brothers Keith and Kevin Hanson, and located in Rochester Hills, Michigan. She eventually became the group's first female Olympian, and side note, the Hanson's Brooks Group is also where she met her husband, Ryan. In 2011, Desi ran a personal best at the Boston Marathon, and it was quite possibly one of the most exciting finishes in Beantown. She came so close to the win. She ran 2.22.38, just two seconds behind winner Caroline Kalel of Kenya. In 2012, Desi finished second at the Olympic Marathon Trials in Houston, behind Shalane Flanagan. In the lead-up to the London Games, however, she suffered a femoral stress fracture and ended up dropping out of the Olympic Marathon in the first few miles. It took a long time to recover, but eventually she was back, racing and nailing some solid finishes, in distances ranging from the 10,000 meters to the marathon. Last year, she was second again in the Olympic Marathon Trials, and in the Summer Games in Rio, she came in seventh behind Shalane Flanagan. This year, she finished fourth in Boston, where she ran 2.25.06. Training editor Megan Keita caught up with Desi shortly after the runner came home from racing at the ASICS Half Marathon on Australia's Gold Coast in early July. She finished second there, too, running 1.12.17. Megan is a huge fan of Desi's. She follows the marathoner pretty obsessively on social media, and Megan has read plenty about Desi and her running history and training and racing approach, and Desi, for her part, has given plenty of interviews on all of those subjects. So in this conversation, Megan is going for something a little different, a look behind the curtain at an athlete she really admires. So yes, they talk about running, but they also get into a bunch of other stuff too. Stuff that can make an elite runner sound pretty darn human. And just a quick edit note, a negative split is when a runner completes the second half of a race faster than the first half. Let's start by talking about running. Um, I'm guessing that you can't be super specific right now, but can you tell me what you're training for uh, coming up this later this summer and this fall? Yeah, um... I can't be specific because I'm not exactly dialed into any one thing right now. Um, I do know I'm going to pass on a fall marathon, so I I can tell you what I'm not doing. Um, Okay. And I'm going to start, I'm going to do some shorter races and just try to get my leg speed back. I think that was the one thing 
um, after Boston and then also running in the Gold Coast, uh, the half marathon there that Kevin and I realized we really needed to work on and um, in an aggressive way was just kind of getting my leg speed back. So we're going to do some shorter races and um, I'm going to start winding down right now and getting uh, prepped for that. And then we'll start putting things on the calendar as they come up. So I'm not locked into anything, um, but it will be faster stuff. So so that's different. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You're definitely known as more of a marathoner. Um, yeah, you mentioned you just ran the Gold Coast half in Australia, and I saw on your Twitter feed that you referred to the half marathon as your, quote, nemesis. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about that? Why Why do you consider it your nemesis? Yeah, I've just never been able to nail the distance, um, and I don't know if it's because I never really had to. Like, it's just sort of half of an Olympic distance, so you don't really focus on it, um, and it's not you know, a 10K is an Olympic distance. It's just sort of in between two things that I would focus on. Um, so I'm never really prepped for that. And I'm not sure that even this segment, um, that's going to be something I work towards, but it's just always been a challenge for me. I think it's almost mental at this point. Like it's this weird 13 miles is really long to go really hard and fast, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's like a comfort in the marathon where you're like, well, I just need to be comfortably hard for a long time. And the 10K, it's like, well, it's only six miles, so I can like really push myself and be over that edge for the whole race and the, the half half fall somewhere in between where I'm like, this is really hard and it's still pretty far. So um, I just haven't wrapped my mind around that yet. <laughs> right. And, and considering it a nemesis probably makes it a little bit harder to conquer too. Yeah, that didn't help. I mean, I've kind of teed it up in my mind now that it's just defeated me, but I don't know. Maybe this will be the segment where I really focus on it and and have a breakthrough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned you're going to be training to work on leg speed versus, you know, the marathon training where you work on that comfortably hard pace for a long amount of time. Like, what is your training cycle going to look like compared to what you would do in the build-up to a marathon? Um, I think the biggest thing will just be much less mileage. So I'll get up to 125, 130 during a marathon training week. Um, And it's just learning how to run hard on tired legs. And I want to kind of do the polar opposite. I want to have fresh legs and just really nail workouts and be able to get that turnover back that I think has been missing for a long time. you know, I've run 1508 for 5,000 meters and 30, 31 mids for 10K. So I know it's there. It's just that was like six, eight years ago. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if I can get all the way back to that fast, but I need to kind of remind my legs that that, that speed is there so that I can go back later and um, marathon pace stuff won't feel as difficult on the tired legs. So, Gotcha. And is that kind of part of a long-term plan to like – help that carry over into your marathon training and racing? Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, changing the threshold for where marathon pace is at. I mean, I've run, I think, three in a row now with the trials, the games, and then Boston. And they're all, you know, within a minute of each other. And, like, the ongoing joke is, oh, whatever does runs at halfway, she's going to run the second half exactly the same. And it's it's totally true. It's um, I can run super even pace, but it's also... Um, 
that's just like I'm like a one trick pony like I don't have any other pace once I lock in that's just what it is so if we can move that default you know on that one pace just a couple seconds a mile um, that goes a long way in the marathon so uh, Mm -hmm. just getting a little bit of that speed back will hopefully move the bar even if it's just a nudge it'll be helpful from moving from 225 226 and getting a little quicker makes a big difference yeah, for sure. I, I actually had that listed as something to ask you about. Um, in Boston this year, you ran exactly the same time for the first half and the second half, which is amazing and <laughs> something that I know a lot of runners would love to be able to do. Um, how did you get to be the metronome that you are? Yeah, that was not by design. Like I would have loved to run quicker at any point in the race. Um you know, obviously a negative split would be great, but yeah, uh, it is, we do so much pace work here at, at Hanson's that um, I think it's just, you know, I've gotten really good at it and I've dialed it in, but we need to move the bar a little bit. And um, so I think stepping away from so much strength work and so much single pace work is going to be important. Uh, but it sounds cliche, but it's just a ton of practice. Like we practice pace stuff probably more than anybody. (laughs) And do you like rely on a GPS device to do that? Or does it just become so ingrained in your legs and your body that you don't even need to look at like a watch? Um, It's become ingrained. I feel like we'll make courses in different places and I can tell when I get to a split, I'm like, oh, that mile was way long. Like, there's no way that that was, I'm not running that slow. Or like, it was short. I know it was short. Like, I Uh trust myself more than, um, like, my husband hates it because he measures a lot of my courses when we go up to northern Michigan. And I'm like, well, that was long. And he's like, no, I just measured it. And then I'll go back and he's like, you're right. Um, So I just, I've got it dialed just from years and years of practice. That's a pretty amazing skill, I gotta say. And so speaking of Boston, um, I saw that your first workout back after Boston was almost exactly a month after the race. Um, What do you do during that downtime? Yeah, I took two, uh, this time I took two weeks off. Sometimes there's been times where I take three weeks off. um, And I just do all the non-running things that I can't do during training. Um, It's Uh as much a mental break as it is physical. so I like I went on vacation to India, left my shoes at home and um, ate, you know, crazy food and traveled around, uh-huh. stayed up late, all of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then slowly get back into it. Um, you know, the first two weeks back, you're like, why did I do that? Um, but it's always <sighs> worth so it. You kind of get hungry for mm-hmm. routine and, and health food and all that stuff while you're on vacation. So I vacation pretty hard, too. <laughs> Yeah, that was the next thing I was going to ask you about because, again, I follow you on social media (laughs) and I was loving all your India Instagrams and tweets. Um, How did you decide that India was where you wanted to go after Boston this year? Yeah, it's always been bucket list. Um, My sister and I do a lot of traveling together, so we usually sit down and pick like an absurd place that we would never have the time to go to. but all of a sudden I get two weeks off and she somehow always makes it work. Um, <laughs> so it was like, I think we had Ethiopia, Madagascar, a couple different places. Um, but India was a little higher on the priority list. We have been looking at that for a while. So it was 
It was pretty fun, gotcha. and she works at um, Headspace, which is a meditation app. Oh, right. I'm sure if you're familiar with that, but a bunch of her coworkers oh, I am. Uh, have gone and done meditation retreats in that area, and so she was like, oh, yeah, I can definitely do a lot of research, and she's so good at that, um, like planning and researching, and when I'm training, I'm like no help at all, so it's right. it pretty great for her to do that much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, when when in your training cycle did you guys decide on India? Like, is that something you picked like at the very beginning to kind of carry you through the cycle, or or did you pick it later? Um, it was r- pretty early on. I would say like halfway, maybe before halfway, we kind of had it set that we were going to go, and then started researching it. Like, it kind of gave me something to do while you're sitting around and recovering during the day. It was doing a little bit of research and like kind of falling asleep in the book while she actually did the real research. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was, what would you say was like the coolest thing you saw or got to do while you were in India? Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I was a religious studies major and I find that really fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. And we went to Varanasi, India, which is like one of the holiest cities in the country. Um, so that was really incredible. Um, just it was like overwhelming almost we were there for i think two and a half days and is i think Mm -hmm. a place that will stick with me my entire life and i recommend people research it and if you ever have the opportunity go and um it is everything (laughs) you you will read and when you get there it's like something that will stick in your mind forever and and because you were there with you know, your sister who works at Headspace, were you doing any kind of meditation on this trip? Was that part of it? One would think, but um, no. <laughs> yeah. And and in terms of your next trip after this, you know, shorter, faster training cycle, do you have anything planned towards the end of this year to look forward to? Um, nothing on the schedule. That seems to be my theme, like as of crossing the finish line at Gold Coast was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so everything's <laughs> up in the air. I'm, I'm uh, open to suggestions if you have a place that you're like, you you can't miss this. Um, you mm, know, tell I'll me or think tweet me or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Will do. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you have a pretty solid, solid bucket list of, of places you want to go. Yeah, it's been good so far. Here's really what everyone wants to know about. Um, you clearly, based on social media, either have gotten or are about to get a new puppy. Um, tell me about this. Yeah, we. Um, my husband handled the jet lag a lot better than I did, and he woke up day we got back at like five in the morning, drove to Wisconsin, and picked up two little puppies. Um, two. And then drove him all the way back. And one is for another woman who lives nearby in Michigan. He's such a nice guy. He was like, oh, I'll go get them. Um, so we had two yesterday. And then we gave the uh-huh. other one to its owner. But he was like, oh, I sort of like both of them together. I'm like, no. <laughs> so now we're down to one little guy who's in the kitchen uh, sleeping right now in his crate. So we do have okay, a. Okay, what kind of dog? We have a brand new, he's an eight-weeks-old golden retriever. Okay. And, and you have a name for him his, yet. his name is Boston. Oh. Well, I would ask why you picked that name, <laughs> but I'm guessing it has to do with the marathon? It sure does, yeah. Um, honestly, he he picked it. It's his, it's his pup. We actually lost our buddy, Miles. Um, 
I guess probably a m- maybe two weeks before the race before Boston okay. this year, and we decided that the you know all the miles lead to Boston. So, oh well, I'm sorry to hear that, <laughs> but I'm I'm glad that you have a new friend. Thanks. Yeah, we we're excited. The other important question about Boston is. Is he going to have his own Instagram account? And if so, what is the handle? Ooh, good question. Um, I'm gonna let Ryan run that. If he's if it's his it's kinda his pup, like Atlas mm-hmm. the brown dog is mine. Um, okay. and and then Miles was Ryan's, even though they're both ours. So he's doing all the puppy stuff right now, like getting up in the middle of the night and taking care of little Boston. And mm-hmm. potty training little Boston and getting bit by little mm-hmm. Boston. <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's super adorable to watch. And um, Atlas and I just, uh, we laugh and we do adult stuff. And, you know, um, if he's going to do an Instagram account, that, uh, that will be on him. But I, I have a feeling it'll happen. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Tell him that the fans all want it to happen. We got to do what the <laughs> fans want. <laughs> So could you tell me about Atlas? Like, how old is he? When did you get him? Mm-hmm. All the backstory. Yeah, Atlas is a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, and um, Miles was three, and Atlas was him. He, they were born on the exact same day, three years apart. So he's eight now. Oh, Atlas wow. is eight now. Um, and we felt like when he lost his buddy, he needed a new one. He felt really mm-hmm. like he seemed really lonely and stuff, but um, mm-hmm. he's he's like a super hard-headed dog. They say with the the retriever breeds, you can tell a golden, you can ask a Labrador, but you have to negotiate with the Chesapeake, and it's like a hundred percent true. Um, so I personally feel like his temperament is a lot more like mine. Like I'm pretty stubborn and. Um, we're like the same and the Ryan's like a total golden retriever and they're like all happy and they, you know, just, you know, have a bunch of friends and stuff. And Atlas and I are skeptical. We're like, what do they really want? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, pets resemble their owners. They do. (laughs) And, and so how is Atlas as a runner? Does he resemble you as a runner? Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of a negative split guy. He likes to, feel things out on the way out like if if we're doing he knows the loops now and the out and backs and stuff and then he like loves to hammer home because he's like oh i know where home is like i can definitely make it back at this pace (laughs) speedster i think that's impressive yeah i think that's pretty good okay so to kind of switch gears away from dogs to another popular topic um i know on nbc's broadcast of this year's boston marathon they showed a photo of you with your whiskey collection. Um, can you explain how you became such a well-known whiskey connoisseur? Yeah, I love it. I, I didn't know that they were going to do a whole thing on that, which I think is really funny. Um, <laughs> it started out like as a joke. Ryan would talk to guys at work about just different bourbons and stuff, and they would be like, oh, you should try mm-hmm. this, you should try that. And he was like, I, w- I don't drink bourbon. And they're like, oh, no, just get one, and you'll be into it. So we were at Costco. Obviously, we had to get it in bulk. Um, yep. <laughs> we were at Costco getting a bunch of things, and we were like, it was like a rainy Saturday or something, and we were like, got a bunch of stuff we needed, and then we were like, well, we need some video games. So we got like this video game set up, and then we saw this bourbon. It was, like, I think, a Knob Creek, something pretty simple, and we're like, we should get that. Uh-huh. 
And there was a guy like pushing his kid through the the store and he saw our cart and he was like, oh my God, I hate you guys. Like, I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> so we went back. <laughs> Having and we the like, perfect weekend. Yeah, we were like, went back and we we're like, we had roommates then and stuff. And we we're like, this is so great. Like we are like living the life and we just sort of used it as a social thing. Like um, sat around with our roommates and tried this bourbon together. And then we realized that we didn't really understand it that well because it was just a single glass and then it was like well we need to start comparing it to other bourbons and so it was almost mm -hmm. like this thing where all our roommates sort of chipped in and we started getting this little collection going um and then it became like let's get together every now and then and just share a couple glasses and try a bunch of stuff so i think our collection grew pretty quickly from that um and then mm -hmm. we have a, a couple friends that also you know they've got their own collections as well so um, and we've all since married, moved out, and the whole thing, but it was kind of a neat um, starter way to get into it. And mm -hmm. having that, to be honest, having that on my bio has, like, blown this collection up because people love to talk about bourbon, and they think it's so neat and cool. They're like, you're a runner, and you, like, know about bourbon? Like, here, have this bottle. And I'm like, oh, uh -huh. this is great. Like, what else could I put on my bio? Like, also likes tequila and beers and <laughs> like and then i'd be super like all kinds of delicious foods yeah. and yeah. food foodie um loves great coffee please send anything my way thanks <laughs> yeah <laughs> well hopefully this podcast will help right. get that message out there <laughs> like she's kind of greedy uh, <laughs> never um so so what's your favorite whiskey or bourbon right now um it's a good question what i i'm trying to think of what we had recently uh, I always go like I I really always talk about this Pritchard's double chocolate bourbon. Um, wow, chocolate! Is, yeah, I know people are like, oh, that sounds. Some people are like, that sounds kind of foo foo, like chocolate bourbon, but it's all in the smell. Like it has this really rich chocolatey smell, and then it has like all the qualities of a really tasty bourbon. So I think that's really neat. Um, and it's like mm -hmm. kind of a cool introductory bourbon if you're just getting into it and you want something like that might be a little more palatable just because of the scent. Like, that's a great way mm -hmm. to get into it. Um, but there's a ton of classics that are always, like Woodford and um, I, I still like Knob Creek. It's good. <laughs> mm -hmm. so I've like actually that. had that one. So, uh -huh. okay. yeah, nice. that one sounds familiar. <laughs> but but the chocolate, that's pretty, uh, pretty enticing to me as a non-bourbon drinker. <laughs> um, so how do you balance this hobby with, you're running um it's pretty easy i i mean we, we don't indulge too much to be honest and it's gone way down since we've uh moved out with the roommates and like that social component has gone away a right. little bit like i don't just sit around and like kick back bourbons by myself um <laughs> that would be a problem <laughs> yeah but that, that could hurt your running a little yeah bit. yeah well and like if i'm in super hard training and i'm like a mean 96 pounds like I can look at it and just be like "Ooh, I feel a little drunk yeah. <laughs> so yeah yeah it's a bit of a downtime activity like when you're on vacation and you know you're eating a little more and all of that stuff and staying up late right then you kind of weighing a little legs. bit more yeah yeah <laughs> put on those pounds and have a bourbon <laughs> and in terms of your other hobbies I I've noticed that you're really into music as well um 
seen you tweeting about Bob Seeger. Mm-hmm. I've seen you tweeting about Brand New, which for readers who don't know Brand New, they're like an emo band from the early 2000s, mm-hmm. who I am also a big fan of. Not Saw so them brand last new fall. anymore. How does that make you feel? <laughs> it's it's upsetting, yeah. and you know, I guess there's like there's really no reason for me to listen to them anymore because I'm no longer like an emotional adolescent. <laughs> but you know, listening to them now brings back all those feels. Nostalgic. So, <laughs> um, so could you kind of tell me about like y- you know your taste in music and and do you run with it or is it just kind of a part of what you do to unwind when you're not running? Yeah, um, I listen to pretty much anything and everything. Like I used to be like oh, I'm not a country fan or whatever. Like I felt like it was wrong to like country, um, but I'm, I'm a total country fan. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's so much out there now just because the internet and you know there's just different ways to get music out there and in the, the industry has totally changed so um i don't want to mm-hmm. say there's any one genre i wouldn't listen to i pretty much listen to anything and i don't i never run with music because i just feel like it's the time to be unplugged or like for our case with teammates um i'm able to chat with them and catch up and um, it's just a time where I want to be in tune with what's going on with my body and in my mind and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, it's probably the one time during the day when I don't have music on. And then the rest of the day, I'm like unwinding with headphones on. Like Ryan will come, he works at home and I'll come in his office and be plugging away all day. And then I just go into a different room and I have headphones on and either I'm working on some stuff or just uh, listening to music. And I'm not a big TV person, so for me, like, that's the thing I do pretty much during the day. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's headphones off, go for a second run, and catch up with him later. So, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of time to listen to new music. And Well, so speaking of new music, what are you listening to right now that you love? I feel like I haven't been listening to anything new in a long time. Like, I was on a Fleetwood Mac kick for a really long time, and then... Uh Uh, Bob Seger is touring Michigan. Well, he's touring again this summer. So we have tickets to two shows right now. Um, there was wow. one, one year where we went to three Seeger shows in a summer. So uh, we're like diehard. So I got to catch up on that stuff. And then um, we just I just bought a, a record player. Mm-hmm. But I only have like 10 records. So, um, you know, I'm kind of limited to the stuff I can listen to. Like <laughs> what's on those 10. Right. <laughs> That's a little bit less portable if you want to, like, walk around and do things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not the small Um, MP3 So you mentioned Bob Seger, seeing him live. What would your top three concerts of all time be? Ooh, good question. I I would put Seger on there. Um, Uh We saw the Rolling Stones a couple years ago, and that was, like, that was awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I was always, well, this is tough. No it, pressure. I like, should have warned you in advance. Ah, shoot. <laughs> this changes everything. Uh, I really like Ryan Adams, um, and I've seen uh-huh. him live a handful of times. But if I had to put an uh, honorable mention, see see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're your you're question. making more space for yeah, yourself. Yeah, honorable cool. <laughs> mention. I'd put, um, and you might know this. This was for you. Uh, saves the day. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right up there with the... Uh, Brand new, but a little bit less angry. That's right. right. A little poppier. <laughs> nice. Yes. Yeah. Nothing's cooler than saves the day and brand new. 
right. <laughs> how do you listen to all this? Are you like a Spotify person or you buy all your albums? How do you do it? Um, for a long time, I bought most of it. So I felt like I spent a good amount of money in the music industry. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I feel less bad about using... Uh, I use Amazon Prime Music now for a lot of it and stream it. Uh-huh. I feel like I still kind of give back to the music industry through live shows. And, you know, at runnersworld.com, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this okay. uh, because this isn't my part of the website, but we do a monthly playlist every month okay. for runners. Would you ever be willing to, you know, kind of come up with one of those that we could share with our readers? Yeah, I would love to do that. Awesome. Just shoot me. I would love to see a, what you would put shoot together. Shoot me a tweet. <laughs> All right. We'll do. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell um, our guy that puts those together that oh. he is out of that job for one month while you, while you do it instead. Yeah. <laughs> that was training editor Megan Keita talking with marathoner and Olympian and bourbon and tequila and coffee and dog lover Desi Linden. And now it's time for The Kick with producer Brian Dalek and editor Kit Fox. Okay, so a lot of the Runner's World staff was, uh, over the past week, Kit Fox here with me in the studio. We were covering the World Championships. You, um, you, you, you cut bits and pieces of the World Championships, right, Kit? Yeah, I kind of have an admission to make. I watched the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not for lack of effort, but soccer season started, English Premier League, so I had to set my priorities towards that. That, that was your weekend, right? Yeah. Watching a lot of soccer. It was. A lot of footy. It was. Lots of footy. Okay. So because <laughs> we need to catch you up and maybe we need to catch the uh, listeners up on the World Championships, we thought it'd be smart to have Erin Strout call in on Skype to help us. She was pretty much on board with us with our coverage Every day with the World Championships. Aaron, thank you for uh, joining us on Skype. Yeah, and Aaron, thank you for coming so that I can look like I did my job. I'm right. just going to steal it. Mean, I'm always really here to make Kit look good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back upstairs and be like, oh, guys, did you see at the World Championships <laughs> that crazy thing that happened, which you're about to tell me about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. P- put that on the whiteboard. Um, it's our job to make Kit look good. That's yeah. what, that's my motivation yep. for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aaron, doesn't so, take a lot. It <laughs> doesn't take. A lot. <laughs> so, Aaron, let's start off. Um, the one thing that kind of comes to mind for me when I think of the World Championships um, this year um, is the word upset, and and that happened in a lot of uh, big races with a lot of big names. That is true. It was. I'm not gonna lie it was like a very weird world championships <laughs> yeah. almost every day something strange happened that right. was unexpected which also made it extremely entertaining right right in the first weekend was the first major upset and it came in the men's 100 the last uh, big 100 meter dash for Usain Bolt and uh, it turns out he, he didn't end up with that final gold in the 100 indeed that was crazy um, I was watching that with actually trying to, you know, entice my f- extended family into watching some track and field on TV. And I said, it's Usain Bolt's last race. Like, we have mm-hmm. to watch it. It's going to be so amazing. And then Justin Gatlin won. 
It was crazy, yeah. And then I, you know, of course, popped on Twitter right as it was happening. And um, I think Tim Layden from Sports Illustrated had the best tweet to describe what had just happened, mm-hmm. as he normally does. Mm-hmm. Um, he said the track and field world is going to need hours of therapy to process what just happened. And that was true. That's how I felt like I needed therapy. I could not process it at all. Yeah, I mean, the world kind of universally loves watching Usain Bolt race and to see him not get that gold. Justin Gatlin of the U.S. Um, gets that, I believe he's 35 years old, so a huge upset in what might will probably be the last time those two face off in a 100. Then Bolt, um, in the final weekend, this past weekend, he pulls up lame in the 4 by one for Jamaica, um, so just not a great end to his career. And then also on the final weekend, uh, Mo from Great Britain, um, he won a gold before, but then in the 5,000, he was upset in uh, in front of his home crowd. He, he was, and it was, I think, his last um, world championships on the track. At mm-hmm. least he's going to focus on road racing from here on out, he says. Um, but, yeah, it was like the first in 11 races that he hasn't, one and so that was a huge upset as well um i actually missed that race but i watched it back on replay and couldn't believe what had happened because there had been so many other crazy things that had happened before that i thought well we must be in the clear by now but we weren't um (laughs) so if you're paying some some attention to the world championships this year it was like i said it was extremely entertaining um and you know it's that's why we run races so we can see who's better on the day and it's not always the person we're expecting okay so the one thing that i was paying attention to was how dominant the u.s was again i think it was was it 30 medals aaron that we brought home it was Okay. It was 30 medals for Team USA, which is a record for World Championships. That is pretty awesome. Um, who won them? Can we talk about some, some of the best? <laughs> Medal number one. <laughs> or let's just hit some of the big ones. Um, kind of like in the, um, the Olympics last year, the middle distance events and the distance events for the U.S. Are, are just crazy good right now, and that really showed on the women's side. It sure did, and I'm going to just start off with my favorite race of all time, which was the women's steeplechase. Uh, normally, we see uh, Kenyans winning that, that race in particular, um, but this year, uh, the USA got uh, gold from Emma Coburn and silver from Courtney Freerichs, which was, you know, we expect great things from Emma Coburn always. Uh, she won a bronze medal at the Olympics last year, but um, to become a world champion is extraordinary and that was just a super emotional finish to watch Um, and I think Courtney was the big surprise there Um, and it was a very pleasant surprise she's still so young she's just starting as a pro she's with the Bowerman Track Club um, under Jerry Schumacher and that whole crew the Bowerman Track Club they are doing some really extraordinary things for U.S. distance running and that was just a sample of that, but it was unexpected for both of them, I think. And I also saw a clip. Did you guys see this? Um, mm. Somebody had posted a clip of Emma Coburn's sister. I was about to mention that. I was literally about to mention that. I have not seen the full race, but I've seen that clip. And if there's any sort of like persuasion you need to like get excited for track, you just need to watch that clip because mm-hmm. it gave me goosebumps. Well, she basically broke down the reason why um, 
Courtney and Emma like had such a great final like 150. They came off that jump amazing. She yeah. she diagnosed it in the clip, right? Yeah, she was. She knew. I mean, like, how many steeplechases has she probably watched Emma mm-hmm. run? So she kind of knew, but she was so excited um, just by watching that last 150 meters. She, I think, she just had an indication that that it was going to turn out well. She, it was the screaming and the emotion was awesome. And we have a clip. Um, we had uh, reporter Cathal Dennehy um, over covering the World Championships for us in London. He was getting video after pretty much every event. So let's hear a clip of Emma and her thoughts right after the race. I thought on a perfect day I could sneak in for a medal and you know Joe kept telling me that anything was possible and kept reminding me of the hard workouts I've done and um, you know that I've been really healthy this year and have been running well and training well. Um, But as we all know I you know I came in ranked sixth on time and um, ranked fifth of the people in the final and um, I knew that I had to have a perfect day to get on the podium and when I you know the whole race I just felt strong and controlled and powerful and I kept waiting and waiting for it to feel bad and it never did. Okay so that was the steeplechase but um, in the first weekend the women's marathon um, we had maybe an unexpected medalist in that event as well. That is true. Amy Craig. Holy cow. Also another Bowerman Track Club. <laughs> right. Member. Good week. Good um, weeks for them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, OK, let's put this in the like the average recreational runner terms. Let mm-hmm. me like okay. I know what I feel like in the final miles of a marathon. It, it's not good, nor is it pretty. Um, so then think about having like a historic world championship medal on the line in the, in the last 400 meters of a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Amy just dug deep. I mean, grit is the only word you can use to describe what she did. She wanted it so badly and she just made it happen. And again, such emotion at the finish line. It was the first medal that, um, an American woman has won at the world championships, um, in the marathon, uh, in 34 years. So that was also another extraordinary performance and I feel like it you know it happened early in the world championships so um it was just sort of was the sign of things to come I think for team USA and that was just really inspiring to watch um you know the rest of that marathon was kind of a snoozer I was not very <laughs> interested <laughs> yeah uh, until like about the last three miles and then it, it it kicked into high gear and there were four runners who were in contention for three medals and Amy was among them and I couldn't look away. So a bronze for Amy in the marathon. Um, One other race that stood out to me was the women's 1500 with Jenny Simpson. Um, She took home silver in that race. Was that kind of, did you see that coming, Erin, or was that unexpected as well for you? To me, I'm going to say that it was expected. And I know that that is not a popular opinion, Mm -hmm. but I feel like Jenny Simpson has become the queen of the 1500 meters. Like, I know that I should have been surprised or somehow taken aback by her performance, but I just wasn't. And um, I think that's kind of like a testament to Jenny's athleticism combined with her. She's just a master at tactics and you know, strategy. And that's what the 1500 is really all about. She can really read her competition well and react well. Um, and she's so solid and smart 
And that combination in an athlete is just lethal in an event like the 1500 meters. Um, I mean, it was a great performance. She, you know, she'll say it herself, but you know, that field is laden with some questionable athletes and we don't know if they're doing things right. Right. So um, I think it makes it even all that more impressive. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anyone was, well, maybe Emma and, uh, and Courtney, they were very excited when they went one and two in the steeple. But Jenny was pumped when she got that silver. And when she spoke with Cathal after the race, um, she spoke a little bit to, you know, what getting a silver means in the 1500, considering the field and kind of that cloud on the sport and, you know, kind of at that distance in her event. I want a clean sport. And I say it's not just the athletes. It's definitely athletes, but it's coaches and it's agents. And it's the fans not demanding that the sport be cleaned up. And so everyone contributes to a clean sport. And so I want I want it to clean up. So, of course, it feels amazing to come out and, and beat people. You know what? If I'm second in this race, you beat cheaters. Because there's not there's not zero cheaters in the race and or zero cheaters in the world, right? And so that feels amazing. And then on the other side of the coin, they're not all stealing my moment. You know, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that I get to have these moments on the podium. And so I think even though there's there's speculation about cheaters, you still got to come out here and give it your all and try and earn your moment today. Don't let them take it from you. Okay, so that was Jenny Simpson. Um, and again, Aaron, I, you you were working with him as well. We got to give a lot of credit to Cathal for doing an awesome job. Props to Cathal. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. And then he ran the media heat of the eight hundred and ran what a one fifty four. Uh, I believe that was it. One fifty four. I believe it was a one fifty four. Something like that. So super. Or one fifty six. I, I don't know how he had the energy. Yeah, that was no. like that was like in the middle of everything. So he. <laughs> I don't know how he yeah. had the energy to do that. So congrats to I him for that. I'd and be. I believe that he won the media <laughs> 800. Wow. So... Well, we have to confirm these things, but we'll go with that. We we'll give him the win. Um, so just to wrap up the worlds for us, um, what are the takeaways? What should fans be? What should we learn from watching this? And what can we expect uh, down the road from uh, stuff on the track or even up to the marathon? Um, I think overall what we saw was that, um, to me, like Rio uh, last year at the Olympics, we also, especially in the distance events, did really well. Uh, the USA brought home, I believe, seven medals from Rio, and that was also super impressive. But this just shows that that wasn't a fluke, that mm-hmm. U.S. distance running is now a force on the world stage. And I think, you know, what I'm learning is we have a group of athletes competing right now who don't really... Um, they go into races with a goal of being not being just the first American. They are on the starting line, and they believe that they can beat anybody from anywhere. Um, so that's bold, and it's great to see. And it um, says amazing things about the athletes themselves, but I also think it kind of underlines the fact that we also have great coaches right now yeah. guiding these runners. Um, the combination is right. The, the We have the Jerry Schumachers, the Heather Burrows, the Bart, Mark Wetmores, um, and they're so largely, these are the coaches that are so largely under the radar. Like they don't seek the spotlight. They let their athletes' performances speak for themselves. And that's working. And it's just really exciting to watch. And I wish more people were watching it. I was, I know I'm a track geek, <laughs> but I feel like anybody could, you know, turn on the world championships in the past 10 days yeah. and 
be entertained by it. I, I know we geeked out, so if we can get other people to geek out about it, I think that's all, all the better. That's Aaron, cool. Yeah, Aaron, um, I know you have a flight you need to catch within the hour, so I think I we do. should let you go. Uh, but thank you so much for all your work and uh, joining us on The Kick. Would you like to say bye to Kit? I would love to say goodbye to Kit. Aaron. <laughs> bye, Kit. <laughs> bye, Aaron. Give uh, Sailor and uh, Marley a scratch on the ears for me. I will. Yeah, we always have to mention the dogs. <laughs> yep. All right. I know. Thanks, Aaron. Little stars here. Okay. <laughs> right. Bye. And now, Kit, we're joined by our online articles editor, Allie Nolan. Hello, Allie. Hello, guys. What's up, Allie? Not too much. How are Wait, you Allie. Kit? Before we start, <laughs> I just have a question. It's random off the top of my head. Um, I'm just really curious. How many donuts did you eat this weekend? <laughs> um, I consumed twelve donuts this weekend. <laughs> twelve donuts. <laughs> So and, proud. and you were watching. We were okay. We were talking about this before we started recording. But you were, you had those donuts while watching what? I was watching the World Track and Field Championships. We're as we're, we're all watching these great athletes <laughs> eating a dozen donuts, which is over a span of time. Obviously, uh, six were consumed within like thirty minutes, uh, and then the other six were throughout the rest of three hours on Saturday. <laughs> so I felt like a true sports journalist. Okay, but here's the thing. This follows this. <laughs> follows my scientifically backed theory of secondary calorie burn, mm. which means when you watch other people burn <laughs> calories, you automatically, your body, I don't know how it happens, you're going to have to ask the scientists that question, but your body, do this study. Yeah, your body automatically begins to burn calories as well. They say it's, you know, some sort of brain telepathic connection. Who is they? <laughs> the scientists. <laughs> Once again, everybody, don't listen to kids. Um, okay, so before we get into some stories away from the World Championships, Allie, I know you were pretty much involved every day with our coverage on the site. We talked about it with Aaron before the break, but what were your most memorable moments, whether on the track or just like the weird stuff that was happening off the track? I've got three of my favorite moments. Okay. We're going to start with Naked Man that looked like the Big Lebowski. That yeah. guy. Uh, it's quite frightening to see. That was terrifying. If you've seen that tweet in that photo. We need more Naked streaking Man, in track. Yeah, um, Naked Man was a streaker, right? He was a streaker. I think he had a political statement, but that didn't really matter because he was naked. Okay, so And he didn't like jump into an event and try to run it. He, yeah. No, he He was, would not have won. No, he was large. <laughs> this is like an obvious addition to make track and field more exciting. I feel like if you got some of the Don't. sprinters, maybe who didn't make it to the, you know, 100 meter final, if like the next competition was streaking but you couldn't get caught once again no one should listen to kit we do not need more streaking <laughs> in track and literally field. the worst idea okay so what, what's number two Allie? um number two corey carter amazing hurdler oh, yeah. but her face her like pump up face and then like her little wave when her name gets announced i mean she has some serious attitude that, i saw that that became a big meme like yep. uh, yesterday and better this than michael yeah. phelps pre-olympics i don't know that i only watch oh, running the, the phelps face <laughs> the phelps the yeah. phelps oh, face okay she is a beast and she is in the zone but then she can break out of it wave to her fans and be like hey what's up and that's it and then she goes back straight yeah, into the face. straight face she's Great. amazing Okay, um, the third thing, I think I know what it is. 
are you going to guess our favorite mascot in yeah. the world? Hero the Hedgehog. Yeah. This man or um, woman, I don't know, mascot. Hedgehog, mascot. Yeah, hedgehog. <laughs> Ellie, is kids the best. listen to this podcast. Let's not ruin the facade. It's a hedgehog. <laughs> I know. He is just he stole the show. Or she. Uh it, I guess. Um <laughs> Possibly the best appearance by a mascot that I've seen in quite some time. Better than the Philly Fanatic. And Derek Hall would argue. Yeah, would argue. Video this, editor. But he's Derek not. Hall. He's not here right now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, it's sad that we're not going to really see Hero the Hedgehog again. We, we did the, he die? Well, <laughs> when the 2017 World Championships in London, where he is the mascot. Will not happen again. So <laughs> again, I don't, I don't know are, if they're going to bring him back. We are starting a campaign here. <laughs> On the Runners World staff to petition that he returns as the as the mascot for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Okay, that is actually a good idea, Kit. So we'll leave yeah. the World Championships mm-hmm. on that note, but we're gonna Team stay. Hero. Yeah, I, I want to stay in London for a story that really blew up on our website last week with how many people were interested in it. And it was kind of a bizarre one also out of London. There was police cam footage that caught a very scary incident, Allie. Yeah. Uh, so London police are still on the lookout for a runner who, according to this camera footage, pushed a woman out of his way and into a freaking bus. Yeah. Um, I, it would happen earlier this year on the Putney Bridge in southwest London. Um, and the footage was put out so the police could find this guy uh, and charge him um, because it is just insane. Yeah, it's pretty disturbing to just see. Uh, and the bus swerves just in the nick of time to not hit this woman on the side of the bridge. Yeah, she got really lucky. It was horrifying. Okay, so this happened back in May. Uh, they took a while to release the footage. So they actually thought that they had caught the guy, correct? Uh, it turns out that they were incorrect. This man, this jogger, is still at large. Right. You got it. We found out that the man that they uh, arrested and put out that, you know, we had found the suspect uh, turned out to be in San Diego, I believe. Uh, so definitely not pushing a woman into oncoming traffic. Uh, they're still on the lookout for the man that did this. Yeah. And just beyond being an awful thing to do, the video footage actually shows the guy on his run looping back about like 15 minutes later and not helping out at the scene, which is just nuts. And, uh, cool, man. You know, not, not, not a fun story to talk about. Um, so let's move on to... Um, uh, a more lighthearted story, um, something I know we were very um, kind of upset to see. It's it's a bit of a morning, but it's a morning of a mullet. Ali, I uh, I'm frankly too upset to talk about this. So could you please? Please inform the listeners what happened. Absolutely. I mean, this is a travesty in track and field. But uh, for those of you who don't know, um, up-and-coming runner Craig Engels has been making waves with his amazing and gorgeous uh, locks. Um, His famous hair and stash combo in the running world has been chopped, uh, but it's to benefit charity. Uh, It happened a little over a week ago. Right. So... Ali, uh, Craig Engels, uh, a runner out of Ole Miss, he was doing this for charity, like you said. So that's great. That's great. He raised over $2,000 for two charities, one for a friend of his who um, ran with him in high school, and um, it was benefiting him and his foundation and a scholarship, and um, another one for children with hair loss. So that is all great, and we've covered Craig before. But Craig is actually 
a really good runner He's fast. on top of all this. He almost made the world championship team. He almost made the Olympics last year as a college runner. So just go over his credentials for us real quick. Absolutely. So, yeah, the 2016 Olympic track trials, he was fourth in the 800 meters and fifth in the 1500 meters, narrowly missing the team. Um, but that's where we first saw his mullet and his mustache, and it raised some eyebrows. <laughs> then this spring at the NCAA championships for Ole Miss in June in Eugene, Oregon, um, he finished third in the 1500 meters. Um, and now it begs the question, do you think the mullet was slowing him down? As Sarah Lord Butler said in her story where she texted with Craig, um, he's lost some races by a hair um, over the past few years. So, yeah. Okay, well. So it might help out. I'm, I'm giving him the edge that he's going to get better. Here's my, here's my hot take on this, okay? <laughs> We're all about the hot takes. We are. It definitely does not make you faster to cut it off because it's the same aerodynamics as a Formula One car. You know how they get the spoiler in the back? You mm-hmm. kind of need that. You think the mullet does that? I absolutely do. Okay. But what the about mullet. the heat coming off How come off you the haven't mullet? grown a mullet? Ah, good question. Mm. I mean... You could get there. I, I mean, I think that you threw the gauntlet down. I could grow more <laughs> of an afro instead of a mullet. It would be tough. My flow goes more up than, than back. You just have to work um, on it, kid. I will. All right. <laughs> I think I will. And then I'll be faster. Okay. Well, um, let's move on to um, our final story in the kick this week. And it actually happened a couple weeks back. It involves your good running buddy, Kit. Best friend. Best friend, I think. You ran with him at a Hood to Coast, right? Yes. Uh, back last year, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Kevin Hart announced a couple weeks back that he is going to run the 2017 New York City Marathon. It's going to be a star-studded uh, celeb field in this race, let's take a quick listen to what Kevin said on social media when he announced that he was uh, going to do a marathon. Kip Chogi running a full marathon in two hours and 25 seconds. After witnessing that type of greatness, it inspired me to get my own. I was going to do a half marathon. Turn! Instead of doing a half marathon, what I'm going to do is do a half marathon twice. I'm going to do the half marathon but I'm gonna add another half to it. So so the double adds up to what? Forget that. Let's forget the math. I got little legs, but a big heart. I'm gonna do the big run and the big apple. Okay, so you, you heard this is kind of Kevin's moonshot inspired by the Breaking Two project. Allie, are you excited for Kevin Hart? in New York City this year. I'm super excited. I think that it's a great thing for marathon racing, Uh, but I know how busy this guy is. I just hope that he puts in the training hours and the miles. Yeah. I mean, he's super fit, Kit. You know this. So uh, hopefully, even if he can't get in the full training schedule, um, you think he'll be able to get through 26.2 miles? I I definitely think he's going to finish. I mean, I think he'll be pretty strong. He, when we ran together, he's uh, he he's not slow, but also uh, he he works out a lot. Like I don't know when he sleeps, um, but it, but it's fun. I mean, if you seriously want to keep updated uh, on his training, he's all over like Snapchat and Instagram. Uh, you know, the other day he posted uh, he tried to go for a 13 mile run and only made it 10. He said there was too many hills. Um, I'm saying this as if we text personally. Uh, this was me watching his Snapchat, okay. which is available to anyone. No, I, I think like all these celebrities, like Carly Kloss is doing it this year. Yeah. Um, I think all these people trying it and showing it is uh, 
kind of great for the sport. Like these great elite runners that you can run with if you're in this race and celebrities are jumping in. So it just brings more people in and gets more eyeballs on running. So it's nothing but good to me to see these people running these races. Oh, and Prince Royce. And Prince Royce. Prince Royce. Yeah. And don't forget Carol from Real Housewives of New York. Yeah, my wife is very excited by Carol running the race this year. She might actually go watch just to see her. That would be fantastic. (laughs) Okay, so I I think that's it. We've covered a lot in this kick. Um, Kit, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for bringing me back. (laughs) And Allie, um, once again, a great job. Thank you for all the Great Worlds coverage, too. Thank you for all the Great Worlds coverage. And maybe Hero, the Hedgehog, will be back one day. We can only hope. Hashtag Team Hero. Hashtag Bring Hero to Tokyo. Let's get started. Let's do it. That's it for this week's show. Please, if you haven't yet and you can spare a minute, let us know what you think by giving us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps others find the show, and it helps us to make the show better. I'm Christine Fennessy, and I produced this week's episode with Sylvia Ryerson and Brian Dalek. Be sure to join us next week for an interview with one of the most famous names in running, Jeff Galloway. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.